In this podcast, we've talked about our favorite games and movies, but we've not shied away from also experiencing those classic games and uh, films that we never checked out, like Super Castlevania 4 for the Super Nintendo. We played that and we talked about it here on the podcast, but that begged the question, what else is out there that we've just not tackled in any way, shape, or form in the podcast, and that led to the beautiful world of anime. Real talk after an episode, I started searching for the top 10, top 20 weirdest anime films of all time. And then this movie came up called Paprika. So we thought it would be fascinating to have a complete no context experience of a film that many said is completely just outrageous, very much out there. So we are going to be talking about that on another exciting episode of A Cast of the Past with a brand new one available each and every Monday available with yours truly. I am available to listen to. Juan Velas from Puerto Rico, also available to listen to from London, Ontario, Keith Hamilton. Now, Keith, I got to ask Only available to listen to. Only to listen to. I don't to. do house calls anymore. <laughs> no, you stop that. Especially now. It's just not safe, Keith, for many different reasons. But when, when the credits rolled in this movie, you saw the titles, the directors, and all of that. How, how, how were you, man? Because this is quite out there, right? I could really sum it up into one word. Huh. It's the only thing that I felt. <laughs> I mean, that is a word. That is a word. Right. From uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, is it a, huh? Huh? Like, wh what do you have going on? My reaction was, I'm 70% sure I knew what was going on. So yeah, that's, that's actually good. <laughs> that, that's actually not uh not bad because let's not forget that this movie came out in 2006, and during this time we've had a lot of these psychological thrillers, whether they be indie films or blockbuster films. Uh, the reason that this movie came up is because it is a. Uh, I'm actually going to read the plot. Usually we try to like paraphrase it, but. I, I think it's just so difficult to really explain it, and I don't yeah, want to like, overlook any, here. <laughs> yeah, any, any details, and I cannot wait to get uh, Keith's response on this. But it says, in the future, a newly created device called the DC Mini, not the Dreamcast Mini, people, we're not talking about Dreamcast. And allows it has nothing user, to do with Batman. Not either. Allows the user to view people's dreams. The head of the team working on this treatment, Dr. Atsuko Chiba, uh, begins using the machine illegally to help psychiatric patients outside of the research facility by assuming their dream world alter ego or other personality known as Paprika. Chiba's closest allies are Dr. Torotaro Shima, the chief of the department, and Dr. Kusaku Tokita, an obese genius manchild and inventor of the DC Mini. So this film, it's like a psychological thriller there's a little bit of an instiga uh, investigational uh, element as well. As it kept uh, unfolding, starting with Ryan, I would just love to know, not having a lot of context and maybe not watching a lot of anime regularly uh, in the past couple of years, how did you come into it initially? Well, I, I came into it knowing a couple things. One, I remember when it came out that it was highly regarded. I can't remember where I saw the list but there was i was watching some list way back in 2006 of like either top movies or whatever and this movie was mentioned so it's always been in the back of my mind as something i heard was a very highly regarded anime movie and just hadn't seen the other thing i knew was apparently this movie did help kind of create inspiration for the movie inception so mm. i knew going in that it was going to be related to dreams and that it was going to be a little bit trippy. So I knew that I would have to pay very close attention and I couldn't kind of like, you know, I had to keep my complete focus on this movie if I wanted to understand what was going on. So that was kind of my approach going in. See, I went in with nothing. Like, I had never heard of this movie before you told me to watch it for the uh, the podcast. And I made, like, I made a note of not learning anything about it. Like, even my anime consumption, I probably haven't sat down and watched anime in at least over 10 years at this point. So, going into this, it was very much like I started out with it in the background, kind of working away, and then by the halfway point, point when things get like this this is a weird but movie but there's a point where it gets like weird yeah. and once it got to that point i was glued to it and it was 
not knowing anything about it, not knowing about any of the praise it received or the things that it inspired, it was a roller coaster of an uh, of a experience. All I needed was a roller coaster, considering all the crazy stuff we got. Uh, I'm actually quite surprised we didn't legitimately get a roller coaster in it. But I love the fact that we t- we're talking about this because it would this be the first film or movie in this podcast history where we really have very little context because we've had a lot of movies that we've not watched games that we've not played but we've known them right and in many ways it is it is the the infamous or famous part of those games that make us go like oh super castlevania 4 like i mentioned uh, breakfast club is something that some of us watched some of us hadn't watched but everybody knew about it what do you guys think about this where it's like you you don't even know if people like it or not in your case keith do you factor that in as you're watching something that is simply so out there? I think it's cool that it's a scenario where I don't have to factor that in. Like a lot of the times in this podcast, when we talk about things, we um, we look at it like in a retrospective way as far as opinion goes, where we either try to put ourselves uh, into the minds of somebody that had seen it when it first came out or somebody that has highly regarded it going back and watching it now in 2020 or whatever year we're in. Like this was a totally blank slate like my opinion of what i saw on that screen was what i think of that movie like no outside sources it was a very unique experience because you don't really get much of that anymore especially with the rise of social media in recent years because there's even before something comes out there's somebody has put thoughts about it out there for better oh, or last worse. of us too <laughs> last of us too every single star wars movie that's come out the last few years like you kind of have expectations subliminally put into you by what's going on in social media so to have this experience to go in totally blind is wonderful it's so unique these days it really is uh and for, for those that have not seen the movie, this is without question going to be a spoiler-centric review because it would just be impossible to actually talk about this movie without getting to the spoiler. But even before all of that, I was trying to think to, think to myself, how could I explain this to somebody that hasn't watched it? So they kind of go like, okay, I, I kind of get it. I think there's you, you sprinkle in some inception, but I really do think it has a lot do of you elements. Sprinkle from, in some paprika as well. I'm gonna make that joke <laughs> they, like they, they twenty times yeah. by the time and, we're that done. That was my first thing. Like, at what part of the movie they actually did it? Like, they went for it. They actually yeah. went for it. I stood up and clapped because I was like, "Bravo, you did it!" Like, they had y- to. you paid it off. You they paid it to. off. But uh, I think there's a lot of the Matrix and Truman Show in this. I think, uh, you know, with The Matrix, you have the real world, which is like the nasty world. We actually talked about The Matrix, available uh, in the archives. And then you have the, the, the plugged-in world, right? And I think this movie had to have in some way be inspired by the fact that what happens in our head, or in this case, in our dreams, uh, maybe does influence some of the stuff. And even one part of the movie uh, where something happens to a character, the character actually feels it, even though it's happening in the dream, right? So it's like the whole mm-hmm. concept that even though they're two different things, you as a human being sort of experience one and the same. What do you think it's about like that? It's like Nightmare on Elm Street in 20 well, or 2006. Ooh, that is also a good tie-in. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah, I... I I really liked what they did. They they made it a little interesting with like technology and dreams really merging together. And they even kind of say they're one and the same. Like the internet world is, they even say is kind of like a dream in and of itself. It's like a dream world. And if you think about it, they are kind of similar, right? A, in a dream. Except dreams can be pure and there's none of that left on the internet. <laughs> True. But <laughs> essentially meaning, oh, in a dream world, you can be and do anything and you could technically do the same thing on the internet. You could uh, assume a different identity and, and different traits and, and things like that. So I think there is something to be to be said there but i do like the elements of you know this machine can you can basically like download the dream and you know even like i guess live stream it 
because you had the um, the professor guy was basically able to view the dream from the laptop and and even be able to speak to the people in the dream. So uh, I really did think that merging of not only reality in the dream world, but technology in the dream world was really cool. Mm-hmm. It's such a cool concept because with the idea of dreams and what you think about in your imagination, like it really is limitless. You can really go anywhere with that. And in this movie, they go for that and you can do crazy, insane things and create crazy imagery because it's a dream and it's so much fun. And they really like, they nailed that fun aspect of it so hard. And what I love about the movie is that even though it is visually complicated, the actual concept is really simple, right? Because the whole thing is that a dream can be anything. And they're going in with this mindset of the DC Mini with, hey, we have a chance to have psychiatric treatment for people experiencing trauma, like all of these real life things, because by going into their dreams, seeing what they're dreaming, and maybe trying to hopefully repair to that, that could actually have an element, a healing element to the person in the real world. With The Matrix, for example, you know, it's very similar, which is like world A, world B, but The Matrix was more focused on waking people up. Here, we are seeing technically broken people, right? People with a lot of problems, and then they're seeing dreams as a solution, which unsurprisingly enough, like everybody wants a DC Mini. Apparently, a couple of these uh, units uh, began being made, but very little. Uh, Somebody steals them uh, throughout the film, and they have no coding or, or any kind. Like They forgot to put in a password. So it's like anybody that gets access to this uh, can really do almost anything that they want. And there's like two parts of this movie, or I guess three. Like one of them is the actual, uh, the actual uh, uh, device, which initially I thought was going to be the, the main thing that people cared about. But the device became an afterthought, right? Like the main story really was between like on side A, you had this detective that he was seeking treatment because of like uh, an unsolved mystery. A lot of things that happened growing up consistently. He kept saying that he was not a fan of movies. So I was always thinking to myself like, okay, that's got to, that's got to get somewhere because they just keep referencing it. And then on the other side, you have uh, this really interesting uh, team of scientists or developers, right? Like uh, Tokita, who's like this huge dude, and he is like literally a man-child. So he talks like a child, but apparently he's like a super genius, and he's the creator of this, but he's a child at heart, and even from the way that he eats, and then, uh, uh, you know, getting into... They a bit don't of a shy spoiler. away from the fat jokes. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I was able to, uh, I was able to like look at that and just be like, wow, you know, it, it is tough because they they actually play to the fact that he's a huge guy, right? And one of these uh, doctors is like uh, really concerned about him. And I was like, okay, what's going to happen there? What did you guys think about the fact that you have the DC Mini, which is you know brings up all of these. Uh, just insane visuals, but then you also have these other two stories. Did you like that triangle or would you have preferred maybe they went with one of these key stories? I liked it because it was really easy to follow. There was never really a point, like even though the imagery was crazy of everything around it, the key plot points of it were very easy to follow. You never were really sitting there going like, wait a minute, why is this happening? Even if you had to take a pause because of what you were seeing, it was never trying to figure out what exactly was going on. By the end of the movie, you knew like, oh, okay, well, this must be the dream area. Now we're back in the real world and once the like the plot started to come to their conclusion there was never really anything that felt out of place like it's like okay well that seems like the way that should have went and as insane as they ended up like yeah okay that checks out yeah i mean i think it's good to have the different plot lines and they do all really tie together in the end um so i I do think it worked out well um given that you know, you start off with the detective and his dreams, um, and you do keep kind of revisiting that as Paprika is trying to kind of help him. But as the dream worlds merge, then the detective is actually able to help Paprika. So it, it's cool how it all kind of ties together as the dream worlds themselves are merging together. Yeah, no, I really like that element because I think that. I thought the detective was going to be the main character and they kind of treated him as that. But 
like, uh, you know, I watched this film yesterday as of this recording, and I feel very different about this movie now than I did yesterday. Like when the credits rolled, I was like, I watched something and it's visually pleasing, but I don't really understand it. And now today was like, okay, it's actually pretty simple to understand. I think that it just presents so much information at the beginning that you kind of get overwhelmed. But as you keep watching and, and just under, understanding, it's a, it's a fascinating concept because the, the, big, the big plot twist here that blends the lines with everything happening is that they, the people that have been exposed to these dreams eventually start like a, kind of like hallucinating to the point that dreams and reality is not exactly obvious. And, and that does bring up like the, the asterisk in the room, which is like, is what is happening now real? Is it part of a dream? Is it both? Is it neither? And it makes you question anything happening in the movie, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the basic plot points of the movie are pretty straightforward, but I think a lot of the interpretations and analysis, you could go way, way, way beyond just kind of the basic structure. But um, it did seem to be not only the people were hallucinating, but someone was basically weaponizing the DC Mini and being able to kind of force people into a dreamlike state, which is why the professor dude kind of like jumped out the window at the beginning because he basically just got like hijacked yeah, wasn't, into Weren't a dream. they like importing other people's dreams into other people's brains? Yeah, exactly. They were, like I said, they were basically like weaponizing it against people, which is why Dr. Chiba like almost jumps off a balcony because she didn't realize she was in a dream and then she gets saved at the last second by I think someone who was actually evil working with the professor dude which unless you're talking about x-men if you're for some reason if you're a professor in a wheelchair you're just automatically the villain of a (laughs) you're always the (laughs) twist villain right no if you're the chairman of a giant company in an anime you are the antagonist exactly you're the final boss but uh, I actually thought that was a fascinating thing because if you think about it in real life and, and like a real question to both of you is, have you ever had a dream that you wake up, you know it's not true, but emotionally it affected you? Like uh, I've had people be upset at me only for them to be like, oh, it's like I had a dream and you said something I didn't like. Or I've had situations where I'm like, oh, I thought this person <laughs> well, sorry, died or the, something. Those people alive. sound crazy. <laughs> that happens to me all the time. My girlfriend will have a dream where I'm an asshole and then she's like mad at me in the morning. And I'm like, I didn't do really? that. Really? Yeah. I mean, joking. That's like half, like jokingly, not actually mad. Well, are but... they half jokingly or jokingly? Because no, that's it's, very yeah. different. <laughs> No, but she'll and always the thing tell is me happens. about it, and I'm like, what, "What's going on? Like, Dream Ryan is apparently not a good person." I mean, I can say may- that maybe, human maybe Ryan this is, is Dream the Ryan, best Ryan person. Keith, and he's be. only pretending to be nice, so he's on this podcast. Have you ever thought about that, Keith? I don't know. I not not really, but I guess I have to question everything now. Okay, now I got a real question, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Would you say Dream Keith would be worse than this one? Because if so, like, what does that even look like then? Keith with unlimited know. power. I don't like it. Oh, <laughs> what am I, Palpatine? Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> I mean, maybe. No, but that's, like, uh, that's immediately where my mind went to. <laughs> yeah. But, it could go worse places. But uh, this movie actually brings up some good stuff. Like, I mean, for context, I do work in the background of uh, mental health, not clinically speaking, but I have a lot of experience with that. And there's a lot of things like meditation and, and yoga and, and breathing and mindfulness and a lot of this ties into like your sleep sleep patterns and developing that better because if you sleep better, you feel better. So I like the fact that this movie kind of takes that, but in a p- manipulative aspect, right? Which is like, what if if like the weapon is not a gun? What if the weapon is your dream? And then I sort of pull that to the real world and I manipulate that for, for my amusement and my experience. Now, the part that I didn't really begin to really put together until uh until t- today really is the whole fact that we have one thing in this a uh, giant man child uh, tokita he's the inventor the creator of the dc mini from the very beginning of the movie we see things like the circus it's like a lot of outrageous stuff you begin to see refrigerators and i think the fact that they made him <laughs> largely obese 
actually really tied in well to all of this because you can sort of begin to make some connections as to like the dream world of of uh oh. Tokita and the real world and it's kind of like uh like other movies that we <laughs> I was spoil, spoil a really bad movie here it's almost like other movies that at the beginning of the movie you're like wait does this tie in with anything else I discarded it but today I'm like of course it's like that's why they focus so much on his eating habits because in many ways, that's sort of like a transition with other stuff happening in the movie. And Wait, that's what do you why mean? the parade you... was like, the parade was like his subconscious is what you're saying. Like the things that build his personality, like with the fridge and the toaster and the microwave and then like a bunch of like dolls because him and... But wasn't uh, what's... that Humoro or whatever, wasn't the original mm-hmm. dream like Humoro's dream? But keep in mind... As things we, were getting added on, right? Yeah, and, and keep in mind, like the whole concept of the movie, and I think this is what I think this is exactly what they wanted. This maybe is maybe one of those films the, that's like the, there's no clear answer. But yeah. keep in mind, they said in the movie that by being exposed to the DC Mini, just by being exposed in any kind of capacity, you're going to begin to be influenced. So who created it, right? So hypothetically, anybody that is not Tokita, anybody that is not the creator in some way, shape, or form, because he's involved in this whole testing process, must have had some kind of his dreams, right? Henceforth, like, yeah. you know, he saw, he had a, a, a robot t-shirt in the, like, okay, serious question, who wears a t-shirt with no logo in the front, but then a design in the back? Is that a thing in Japan and that I'm missing here or something? Could be. But maybe before be. we dive any deeper, we should just give a basic outline of the plot for anyone listening who hasn't actually seen the movie and has decided to just let spoilers rain down on them. Um, but essentially... Sure, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, yeah oh boy. I was hoping, I was like, <laughs> is anyone going to step in? Okay, I guess it's me. Um, long, long story short, we have the DC Mini it gets stolen. Um, this evil professor guy turns out to be the one who essentially frames Tokita, the big dude's partner, Humor, as the one who originally stole the DC Mini. But he ends up kind of being a pawn in the scheme for, of this professor who's um, essentially hijacking the machine and eventually pretty much gets everybody into this dream world and this craziness um, so he can gain all this power and he becomes this giant big dude in the dream world and he can walk and uh, is more powerful. And Paprika, um, after kind of coming to a self-actualization, gains a lot of power and literally like eats the dude, um, which was weird. And the world saved so that that's things in a nutshell. But of course, we have the detective who has mm-hmm. his own story. And Paprika, um, who's like a subconscious of that other lady. Yes. Yeah. So she's kind of an interesting character in and of herself. Um, and if we want to talk about that real quick, because I actually ended up watching a video analysis just so I could get a little more context to make sure I knew what the hell was going on when yeah. I saw it. Um but it was, um, if you ever want to check it out, it's by the YouTuber Renegade Cut. He does a lot of great work. Um, and he talked about how Dr. Chiba and Paprika, as in basically Dr. Chiba, she's a scientist who works with Tokita, but in the dream world, she has like her own kind of avatar, Paprika, where she's more outgoing and much more like flirtatious and just very different than the very reserved, introverted Dr. Chiba that you see in the regular world. And he kind of related it to, you know, Dr. Chiba is who she is and Paprika in the dream world is kind of who she wants to be. And, you know, the, that personality, it's like her, the fantasy version of herself, of what like her optimal self is in her mind. And in the end, literally those two personalities combine and she kind of becomes like, it's a merger of who she is in the real world, who she wants to be to kind of like, come to terms with who she like basically being the person she wants to be and that's how she's able to overcome everything so it's almost like it's about this character like realizing her true self 
And, and I like that because the movie uh, ties in a lot of loose ends. You know, you, you did a really good job of summarizing uh, the doctor's uh, part, of the, part of the process, but you also have the detective, right? Which the detective in the film, like I mentioned, they make a lot of references to the fact that he doesn't watch movies, yet a lot of what is happening is movie influence. And then throughout the film... And, you know, we've already been talking about spoilers, but just getting more into, into spoilers and into why I think like this is going to be a film that maybe I do watch again, because mm-hmm. I do think I'm going to see a whole lot of things I hadn't noticed before is that he actually made a, a I guess, like a bit of a student film when he was around 17 years old. Uh, some stuff happened with the actors involved. And, and it's like this whole process that I think human beings uh, sometimes grow up maybe they had a dark past or something they didn't like and they sort of let it go and pretend like it's not part of a like that is what is affecting them but then it does come up in dreams and and that's one of the things that happens in dreams right sometimes like have you ever have you guys ever dreamt something that you're like wow i completely forgot about that but all of a sudden oh yeah yeah, those haunting high school dreams oh, where yeah. you remember every mistake you've ever yeah. made in your life and you wake up feeling real good about yourself. Love those. Or somehow you forgot to go to it. There was a class in high school you forgot to go to or something like that. Yeah, that's not specific Am at I all. The yeah. that always got those dreams about going to school and uh, realizing you went in your underwear only? I never really had those. I felt like those are the dreams that people only had in like, sitcoms and cartoons oh, i never okay. had anything like that okay, i have dreams yeah, to this day sometimes where i'm like i still haven't graduated from high school i'm need to take this class because i'm gonna yeah, fail you know and that's stuff what like that. yeah that's the kind of dreams i've had or like oh i ne- like i never did this shift at my old job that i haven't done in years like i think random things like that but i don't know i feel like have like sitcoms and cartoons influenced you too much Juan? that you actually had one of those dreams that you always see on tv i don't know Uh, one of my most recurring dreams oh man you know what i hate usually when i when i talk about these they happen so i'll let you i'll I'll write hey i'll write on a cast of the past.com slash discord if it happens huh uh, yeah. What about uh, those dreams yeah. where your arms randomly, you can't move your arms? Have you ever had that? No. Uh, I no. have like, had this but one. But I hear they're terrifying. Which is, I yeah. used to live on a second floor as a kid, and I had this dream where I I fell, but it was like an endless falling. I would never just Ooh. hit the floor. It would be the entire dream. And oh my goodness, another dream I had, zombie outbreak. This is actually around the time I played RE2 as a kid for a little while. And legitimately... I should you know the dream I would wake up I mean like I would wake up in the dream and be like oh I'm still in a zombie outbreak I'd be trapped in a home and the whole dream is just me sitting there looking at zombies trying to go in and I had this dream <laughs> for like a month to the point where wow. like I actually missed school one day because I was so deathly afraid of going to sleep because I'm like come on man just kill me already just, just <laughs> get it over with yikes and this therapy session has been brought to you by Paprika. <laughs> oh, Paprika, you brought up the dark stuff. But hey, I got an interesting interesting question. Let's not neglect the fact they have a freaking machine that, as Ryan mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, like you can basically live stream your dreams. Can you imagine how many influencers we would freaking have streaming? Oh, my. Okay, Ryan. Yeah. Do you even think we could stream Keith's dreams? I wouldn't no. wouldn't go near that thing with a ten foot pole. What happens in here stays in here, and the world is better off that way. That yeah, is interesting, be though, some, right? Because some thick- NSFW oh, <laughs> live yeah. streams. How how do you guys feel about the fact that let's pretend this was actually real, and you go to a therapist, and the therapist actually puts on a device. And they can visually see what is in your head, but it is like dreams, right? It's not your thoughts. And, mm-hmm. and to me, I actually would like if you took that question first, because as you mentioned earlier, you're an advocate for the mental health field and work very close with that. Like, let's pretend for a moment that it's real and it's a tool that can be used in something that you're very close with and could like affect day to day things like 
is that something that is like better off in theory or could it actually be like a groundbreaking thing? It's impossible for me to give like a non-serious answer. So I guess I have to give it. There's, there's two sides of the spectrum, right? So on the beneficial side, it's like a lot of times there's trauma from people in the past, right? Uh, unworked trauma. And hypothetically, you could put a face to the scene of what happened in your past that maybe you forgot about. And you could actually, mm -hmm. uh, you could sit down with your therapist and work on that. But on the not so positive side, you can maybe identify 20 other things from your past that you completely forgot about. So you came in, you know, hoping to like, hey, like I have this one scene with this one dark thing in my past that I wanted to solve all of a sudden you go into my dream. It's like, I got 35 of them, man. Like I, I, I didn't come here for this. So in theory, it's neat, but I think it's like the lasso of truth, which is like, Hey, that's a wonderful superpower, but do we really, is like, are we ready for that? Do we want that level of honesty in our life? Do we Ryan? Do we? I don't think so. No. Yeah. It's like if, um, I don't know. Have you guys ever seen black mirror? Yes. Yeah. Well, I've seen some of it. I had to stop because I'm like, oh, this is, this is there, too much for me. There's an episode of Black Mirror where basically they get this implant in your their eye called like the grain or like yeah, it basically makes it so that your eyes are like video cameras that are recording everything. So, like you could have in like for instance in the episode, he has a job interview, and then when he's on the ride back home he's like replaying the job interview to like analyze it like oh did i mess this up or whatever so it's essentially a world where memory is perfect because you have everything recorded um and yeah it could be really bad because you get people over analyzing things you'll never forget things because you'll always go back and it will basically just make you uh, drive you crazy yeah it would drive it could drive anyone crazy yeah i, I think overall this movie actually hits a lot of things that are very powerful. Uh, obviously, because it's an anime, you know, anime exaggerates things visually, so it almost seems like a comedy initially. I totally get why. And, and this is the question that I would love to also throw at you guys. Like, I understand why so many people love this movie because I don't think it's a one and done thing. I don't think it's a movie you sit down and you watch one time. I think it's something that every single time you watch, especially with like, all these scenes that they had a whole bunch of characters and like, like once again, refrigerators, I guarantee you there's like a little thing in there that is maybe in another scene as well. And you could connect those dots. And I love that type of movie because it's like a, an experience that as we keep talking about it right now, I keep thinking about this. I guarantee you, you know, we record this on a Monday, publish on a Sunday. I guarantee you for a fact that my thoughts about this movie will change as it progresses and I personally love that. Like, do you guys like that type of movie where you kind of do have to let things marinate a little bit? And, you know, like an action film, something blows up and maybe you think it's less cool eventually, but I think it's a lot more obvious, whereas this movie is a little bit more ambiguous about that. What's your guys' take on that? I, I do like that, like I said, upon reviewing and, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like the the Silent Hill two of movies, right? There's That's the, the analogy I was gonna <laughs> make <yeah>. as well. <laughs> there's there's more layers than just the surface, right? You like we said, you can watch it straight up and you'll get the basic premise. But if you want to dig a little bit deeper, there's some more meat on that bone. There's more things to analyze. We can analyze more of like what's going on, each individual thing in the parade and the significance of, of those things. And uh, so there's definitely a lot more to it than than meets the eye. So, yeah, I, I do appreciate those movies where there's a little bit more to, to kind of get into. Um, so for sure. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it, but I'm also happy that every movie isn't like that. Like, I'd, there's room for both on that spectrum. And every now and then having one come along that really you can just like sink your teeth into. And I, I agree. I'm with you, Juan, where by the time that this episode comes out, my 
opinion of this movie will change because I have more time to think about it and really just like digest everything that it was presented and like put together these pieces of it. It is something that you can go back and watch multiple times because A, it visually it is so enjoyable and B, it's one of those movies where you're gonna see something a little different. Something's gonna click the next time that didn't click the first time or the second time and it's fun to really just like get in your own head about that and just like let whatever happened happen. So having said that, starting with Keith, uh, you know, we've all admittedly fallen off the anime bandwagon. I think we all like, you know, there's Dragon Ball Z, like there's the, the mainstream options. I, for a while, like watched a lot of anime. Uh, Planets or Planets is a series that I would love for us to talk about in the future that is basically no violence. It is an anime that almost nobody talks about. It's about cleaning up space debris. And somehow it's a fascinating series about relationships and stuff. And uh, I actually own a DVD of that. But having watched this, understanding how deep it can be, starting with Keith, uh, would you say you liked it? Would you say it is a memorable movie? Do you understand? Like, what's your take on it aside from, hey, I, I felt something about it? I would say that I like it and I do think that it is memorable and not even just in like the oh crazy anime kind of way like it really is a movie that makes you think and it's like the biggest praise that I can give it is that I walked into it it being a background movie and it was able to grab my attention something that's like that you really need to watch and you need to be able to pick up on what it's telling you it pulled me in enough that it was able to accomplish that and I give it all the praise in the world for that and even like even if you're just looking at it like oh anime just don't even think about that and give it a chance it is worth watching high recommendation yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed it as well. And that parade music has been stuck in my head for like a day and a half <laughs> now. Um, it, it is a great movie. If you enjoyed movies like Inception, then it, it's um, it's an or interesting... really like the plot to De Detective Pikachu. Yeah, a semi-similar plot to Detective Pikachu. Not, not quite the same. Um, but yeah, if you love those kind of dream-like reality what's what's dream what's real um this is definitely right up your alley uh it's it's not like you can see where there's kind of a divergence between how inception wanted to handle dreams and how this movie did um and i i kind of like both approaches and in this obviously with an anime you could do a lot more interesting things with the visuals where they're just like jumping in and out of tv screens and stuff um which is really cool like when things get really kind of trippy at the end so it's not only an interesting story but a really great visual experience as well so I thought it would be interesting, you know, with some uh, movies that we talk about and, and games to look up some uh, facts, and especially with this movie, it's like we've had this chance to speculate, right? Uh, and sorry, I hit my microphone. We've had the chance to speculate here. So I looked up an article. This comes to us from uh, CBR.com. And uh, list off, uh, lists off 10 different things about the movie. Not going to get to all of them, but some of the ones that we did pick up on. So the number one first here is uh, the parade. It states here, the parade shown throughout the film is the manifestation of the dream virus that is taking over people's minds. Whenever the parade shows up in a person's dream, they're sure to be taken over by the DC Mini and the collective dream state. According to Khan, the parade presents the collective things left forgotten in our unconscious minds, which is why it is primarily made of inanimate objects brought to life by the dreamers. As new persons uh, join the collective dream, another object joins the parade. And I, I don't know why I didn't make that connection, that every time, like, as the film progressed, the parade get, got a lot busier. It's like, of course. It's like, because you're getting a lot more people involved in those streams, yeah. right? Yeah, it makes sense. So let's see here. Uh, another one that I thought was very interesting here is uh, why does the detective dream of killing himself? This one comes back to a more abstract idea of suicide. As Konakawa says during one of his sessions with Paprika, 
He once had a love of filmmaking during his youth, but chose instead to pursue a career as a detective, then chase his dreams. In this sense, he killed the part of himself that wanted to be a filmmaker, going so far as to develop a dislike for films for many years until coming to the realization that he traded one love for another and accepting that side of himself once again. Now, that's actually really deep because it's like, yeah. not yeah. it's not suicide in the literal sense but in the emotional yeah. sense it's like you killed off a part of your of yourself and they they showed that what did you guys think of that now that we've uh, read that yeah that's really cool because i was a little confused by that part where he said like he killed himself because you know you're getting very distorted versions of uh, what's real what's not um obviously he lives throughout the movie so i was a little confused on that part so that's actually really cool to kind of get clarification on that. Mm -hmm. And it's something that is probably more relatable than most people are willing to admit about how we get older and we kind of take parts of ourselves and send them behind the barn yeah. as we grow Not up me. and need to I adapt. Pikachu and Bulbasaur. <laughs> I don't yeah. let anything <laughs> some, of us, uh, some of us refuse to grow and we're damn proud <laughs> yep. <laughs> There's actually a lot more interesting here. And I think that for anybody listening, uh, first of all, like, you know, don't forget the five-star rating, all of that stuff is important. But in the context of this review, even if you haven't watched the film and we have spoiled it for you, I actually think there's like a fascinating aspect of like, how do you perceive this film when you know everything that happens? Like visually, that is an interesting experience. Like it's the one that I'm going to have because I do want to rewatch it, like uh, understanding all of this. So let's actually go to another one talking about the romance, which is where did the uh, good romance come from? If you haven't read the novel Paprika, I cannot say that, Paprika is based on, (laughs) uh, now I learned that it's based on a novel, you might find that the eventual romance between Chiba and her obese co-worker Kusaku Tokira came out of nowhere. During the film, like Randy Orton, Chiba maintains a strong (laughs) facade of professionalism towards most of her colleagues with the exception of particularly emotional moments during her search for Tokita later on. And that's kind of like validating, once again, what you mentioned, Ryan, which is Paprika is her more like, uh, that's who I want to be. And in real life, that is who she's not, right? So I guess it's like mm-hmm. that affection is the one part of herself that she's trying to to slowly let out, right? Yeah. And of course, you know, you see... Once she comes to that realization, you do see her like feelings come out to him. But yeah, in the in the movie, it did seem a little bit out of nowhere. That is true. It's like I thought of it more like a like a brother or sister relationship. Yeah. So that took a weird turn for me. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> I I totally misread the room there. Yeah. And uh, another interesting one is uh, inevitably the question about at the end, which is, are they still dreaming? In the end, it's easy to compare Paprika to Inception with the focus on entering another person's dreams and many similarities to characters and scenes, but the two films have one major difference in their ending. Unlike Inception, uh, Paprika makes it clear that once the chairman has been stopped and that dream world and real world are once again separate and that the main cast are all awake again. Aside from hourly saying it, the main clue to this is Konowaka's dream personality showing up in a window reflection, as well as his interaction with Paprika throughout his laptop, rather than in person. Which I think that puts like a nice bow to the story, right? I think you have a lot of speculation about what happens in the movie, but the fact that it's like, it ends how it ends. Yeah, not every movie has to have an ambiguous ending. I do appreciate when it can actually be, okay, you know, that was the real world. Everything actually happened. Yeah, it's nice when something can put a bow on itself and not just leave something for the sequel. Or like one of the movies that just goes like, it's up to your imagination. It's like, no, I sat down here for an hour and a half. You we freaking were the tell paprika me what happened. all along. <laughs> like none <laughs> of this is paprika real. Paprika was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> yeah. uh, so as we close off here, Now that we've watched an anime film, 
Um, like, what's your take on this? Like, are you actually interested uh, in checking out more anime films or anime shows? We've we've always like uh, dabbled the topic of Dragon Ball Z, but it feels like it's just insulting to ta- to tackle any of the movies. Initially, let's be real. Like, this initially had a, a Dragon Ball Z movie slot. They would realize like we don't really like a lot of the films, so we kind of just like most of the shifted. movies are trash. Yeah, yeah. We'll fight about that on another episode. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Go but watch it, your Bio Brawly movie there. Hey, Keith. Bio Brawly is hot trash. I yeah. won't defend that one. But <laughs> oh, if, boy. if you're going to tell me that Fusion Reborn is garbage, I'll fight it is. you. It is. It's not. Real story. As th- That was the exact argument that was happening halfway through <laughs> our, our like podcast meeting. I just started looking up like the top 10, top 20 weirdest uh, anime films. Legitimately just like, Paprika. All right. <laughs> like that was kind of the All whole right, process yeah. <laughs> for this episode. But I think that's like really special about it. But any other, ha- have you heard of any other anime films that you're like, oh, this is interesting or one that you have saw, uh, seen that maybe the others sh- should check out? Well, I, as I was talking before we even started recording, the very next day I did watch another anime film, one more recent called Your Name, which I highly recommend that also has kind of similar dreamlike qualities to it. Um, but it's a very interesting movie that's essentially, to give you a quick premise, that this girl and these like a high school girl and high school boy who live in both in Japan, but one in the city and one way out in like the, the countryside, basically every other day, seemingly they wake up as the opposite person. So they're like living uh-huh. the lives of the other people and they have to like figure out what the hell is going on. So it's, it's a pretty interesting concept. Definitely recommend that. But yeah, I would love to to check out more anime movies. Um, I've seen a lot by uh, Miyazaki, like Spirited Away and My Neighbor Totoro, but there's a whole bunch in his collection that I've not yeah. seen. So I'd love to get more into to that library. In theory, yes, I agree that I would love to check out more anime, but just being so far away from it for so long, it's very intimidating to start to tackle that and know what you should check out the and what you should. aren't as intimidating as like a series. Yeah, no, series not are a whole so, different ballgame. I agree with that, but like if I like, and hey, no offense to anybody out there, but the second anime is so like close to people, the people that really enjoy it, that like the second that you say, hey, I want to watch an anime. What should I check out? You are just like thrown 45 things at you. Like it's just recommendation vomit coming out. Yeah. And then it's, <laughs> it's like very hard. Like, okay, I just got 30 things to check out. They're all great. I'm going to watch none of them. <laughs> now, so much. So. Yep. I've been, yeah. I've been doing that for years. <laughs> just I, delay, I like so I always ask for recommendations that I never follow up on. So that's why I say in theory, it would be awesome. But once I hit that point, which happens every time, then I'll probably just curl back into my <laughs> shell. And that being not- said, go to the discord, comment on YouTube, send us a tweet, give us your anime recommendations. All of the anime recommendations. Feed feed (laughs) Keith all of the animes that he will not watch, but he will at least check out. (laughs) We'll do like a trailer reaction with Keith. It's like, hey, Keith, check out that trailer. No, but uh, like Here's I remember, a list of a hundred animes yeah, to watch. I, I remember when I watched like Death Note, like that was over a decade ago at this point. But it's like uh, what Keith has mentioned: anime is intimidating because I do feel like people are very, very uh, attached to it. And I say that as somebody that was attached to it. Like I remember going to Video Avenue. That was like the the competition to Blockbuster in Puerto Rico, and. It got to a point that I would just go to the anime session uh, section and just like pick an anime and just be like, "Wow, this is weird," but I mean, it's it's kind of fascinating, oh. uh, and, and it's like just just there's so much like Full Metal Alchemist and Brotherhood, so good, but yeah. the series are very dense. I think anime. You know, films. we did ask the question about Paprika, which really can trigger the the hardcore anime fans. Did you watch it dubbed or subbed? Oh boy. 
<laughs> which 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 one is the English voices? That's dubbed, dubbed right? Yeah. yeah. I I watched it dubbed. I feel like I should have watched it subbed because there is there's that one scene where um god, I'm terrible with the names where the woman talks to the fat guy and is really doing like the whole like get your shit together um scene and just the way that it was dubbed it was like just so emotionless that it was almost comical <laughs> yeah i actually watched it dubbed as well uh just and usually i never do that so this is one of the weird really? chances where i watched it dubbed because it was such a visual movie that i missed a lot of stuff by reading subtitles also when i first started watching it dubbed i accidentally left on the subtitles holy crap they do not match up like no. wow <laughs> is one it, of them is one like a direct translation the other one's like a localization like or it something. straight up said uh, hello captain and hello detective was the dub like it actually hmm. got factual information wrong so in many ways i'm like i i guess it's good i watched the dubbed because like the subs don't seem to match like i read a lot of that and yeah. I'm like that's not that doesn't seem right i don't know I know it goes against the anime code, but I'm I'm dubbed all the way. I don't care. Like I watched all Rolling of DBZ on them dubs. Yeah, I lo- I watched all of DBZ dubbed. I'll watch I'll watch it all dubbed because I'm too lazy to oh, read yeah. the subtitles. Real, real talk, and I'll fight for this one. DBZ is better dubbed, at least yeah. the English version. Yeah, I actually watched DBZ uh, in, in Spanish initially. And, and uh, then it's like, oh, like the same dude watch... play Gohan when he was like a, an adult <laughs> yeah. as he was a well, kid. And I got like the orange brick like DBZ DVDs and it's like, oh, you can watch. Do you watch English dub with Japanese music or English dub with American music or Japanese? Du- I don't know if anyone <laughs> like, would do oh! Japanese du- Japanese sub with uh American music. I don't know if anyone would watch it like that, but um, <laughs> I don't care. I like the DVD American man. music and Japanese music's good too. But Vegeta's song is the best. See, music we're of doing all it time. right now. It's like we should just do an episode that's literally <laughs> just, Dragon Ball C, and it's just kind of like, hey, just just throw a topic out there. We could talk about Vegeta. Like the Dragon Ball music alone is good, but uh, anybody, like I mentioned, we could keep this conversation going. So if you haven't, please consider that is not the right thing on the Vita version. Please consider joining at castofthepast.com slash discord. Uh, you can hang out with all of us. Uh, I also have a Player One channel there, which uh, for those that did not join uh, this past weekend as of the publishing of uh, of this video, it has been one week since I did a stream with these two beautiful people where for two hours we talked about a whole lot of stuff. And there should be a video archive available on the YouTube channel as of the publishing of this episode so you can subscribe our word i never want to hear again after that conversation <laughs> yeah uh, certain parts of keith's dialogue may be cut out of the youtube version because keith is keith but we love keith don't we ryan what did i say i i don't think we said anything <laughs> no. No, I, no. I wanted I to see like if i threw that with keith second yeah. guess himself he did so i did I'm, I'm proud of that i'm proud of that i'll dream about that tonight oh that's gonna be dangerous but uh that's gonna be doing it for another exciting episode of a cast to the past i never want to be in your dreams keith never you live in my dreams constantly i just want to take a moment to give us all like a pat on the back because we went this entire episode without doing one american dream dusty roads impression and i think that's admirable tokita's been going through some hard times baby all right goodbye <laughs>